Hello and welcome to Fintech Insider Insights. I'm David Breer and I'm joined by my colleague and co-host Sarah Kachansky. How's it going, Sarah? It's going well. It's uh, The sun's finally out. It is. I know. It's been a misty sort of weird London yeah. week, hasn't it? Very, very English summer thus far. It is. Well, uh, hopefully this is going to brighten the mood somewhat, if not outside, but definitely in the room. Um, we are going to be talking today about the RBS Remedies Fund, uh, who are the winners of pools A, B, D and C, because that's how it was announced, weirdly. Um, we're here to talk about the road to winning those grants, the impact that that's going to have on the industry, and what the winners are actually going to do with all that money. Um, so we're joined today by some special guests, just happen to be big winners of uh, the, the different pools. So I've literally just totaled up, actually. We've got about $125 million of the, the fund that's been awarded in, uh, in this room, which is pretty good going in itself there. So first up, we have Andy Smith, who is the CTO over at Claybank. How's it going, Andy? Not bad, David. Not bad. Thanks. Very good. We have Alex Cardona, who is the co-founder at Kodat. How's it going, Alex? Very good, thank you. Uh, we have Rob Angus, who is the Chief Propositions and Finance Officer over at Nationwide for Business. How's it going, Rob? All good, thank you. Very good. And we have Simon Brown, who is the Head of Business over at Atom Bank. How's it going? Uh, a lot more relaxed than a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll come to that foreshadowing indeed. Okay, let's get started with the show. So first up, Sarah, before we probably get into this, I guess the £425 million question is, what actually is the RBS Remedies Fund? So I'm going to keep this fairly brief because we have touched on this um, quite a lot recently. But in summary, and also please jump in if I get any of this wrong, people around me who probably know the paperwork and the finer details better than I do. Um, but long story short, RBS was bailed out by the UK government um, after the 2008 crisis um, by proxy of the UK taxpayer to the tune of around £45 billion. Um, in return to the UK government purchasing those shares post-crisis, the bank agreed to a number of conditions one of which was to spin off a part of the business to encourage competition. So the plan was to resurrect a brand called Williams & Glynn, which had been absorbed into RBS, um, and the plan was to sort of split it back out again um, and have that as a, a bank that would serve small and medium-sized enterprises in the UK. It didn't quite go to plan. <laughs> there, were, there were numerous... Um, uh, numerous things went wrong, um, and... Long story short, we had to come up with an alternative. So plan B was the remedies package, which was a lump sum of funding uh, to be handed over to an independent body known as the Banking Competition Remedies Body, or BCR, um, which was going to hand that money back out again to, uh, to eligible companies, basically. Um, it was actually split into two. Um, the bit we're here to talk about today is the Capability and Innovation Fund. There was also the incentivized switching fund, um, which we will come to, no doubt, at a later podcast. Um, but the Capability and Innovation Fund was divided into four pools, um, those that David mentioned earlier. Um, so pool A was uh, to facilitate the development of more advanced business, current account offerings and ancillary products for SMEs in the UK. Um, so the winner from that pool that we have in the room is Clearbank. Um, pool B was to facilitate the modernization of existing business current account offerings or the development of new business current accounts or ancillary product propositions for SMEs in the UK. Uh, the winner we have from that group is Nationwide. Um, to facilitate the expansion of business offerings to include lending or payment services to SMEs in the UK or international payments to SME in the UK, that was Pool C. Um, and the representative we have from that group is Atom. 
And to facilitate the commercialization of financial technology that is relevant to SMEs, that was Pool D, which was confusingly announced before Pool C was, um, which tied me in knots for a while, and I'm still not quite sure they did that. Um, but the representative from that group that we have in the room is Kodat. So hopefully that is a brief summary. Um, there is also a blog I've written if you want to go back and read that in more detail. But that should be enough, I think, to get us going uh, today. So, sort of lovingly referred to as cruel and unusual punishment, shall we say? You, you like to refer to it as that, don't you? As often as you can. <laughs> I just feel it was such a strange to go from we're setting up Williams and Glynn, we're building this thing, to we're now going to forcibly give a bunch of money to other players in the market. I, you know, it's both the most amazing thing and the weirdest. Like I, I always come back to, they missed the opportunity not televising the whole thing you know like <laughs> the pitch process like we could have got like will i am could have done this it would have been way more interesting than the the voice for sure but uh, all right well let's kick us off with um i say congratulations to all of the winners in the room like it's a an amazing uh, achievement for you guys to go through this process and and get to the point where you're now i guess trying to figure out precisely uh what it is that you'll be doing with the money and um, the the fund particularly i think has done an amazing job of really sort of shouting about the the public commitments um and maybe if we start there with a, a kind of a bit of a, a view of what it is that you guys are uh going to be doing so maybe Andy, do you want to start us with a, a bit of a view of what the, the public commitments are from a clinic well, perspective? Well, I start with me for some reason. Yeah, um, so it's quite interesting because a lot of people think that Clearbank uh, shouldn't have had an award at the, at the start, uh, simply because we don't have a public offering, so to speak. And our award was slightly different because it was a joint bid between ourselves and Tide. I think a lot of people forgot that we had been working with Tide, Tide for, for some time beforehand. I think, actually, we had original conversations were back at the end of 2016, uh, at that C-suite sort of level. Um, so we've made a commitment with Tide to have this joint bid. Um, and, and a lot of that... I'm not going to go into too much because some of that's quite secretive in the innovation that we're trying to bring to the marketplace. But essentially, the top line was that between us and, and Tide, we wanted to kind of take control of about 8% of the market. Uh, and we're looking to do that with a number of initiatives around cash flow, big data, real-time incentives, real-time payments, our, the use of our infrastructure, um, which, funny enough, is, is a play that other people are using as well. So we're, we're looking to leverage that. Um, quite considerably, mm. and then Tide's propositions kind of sits on top of that. So it is a joint partnership. Um, I don't really want to say too much about what we're doing, <laughs> to be honest. But Secretive. there is some good stuff with, with cash flows and, and card payments as well. Very good. And obviously Tide are doing a great job right now of hoovering up a, an amazing amount of the market. You know, I think it's, what is it, one in <coughs> 11 new accounts are being yeah, opened up on them? I think it's one in 11. So when we first started talking to them and we had our proof of concept up and running between the two of us and we had some live customers between that, which was before the, the BCR pitch, so to speak, I think they were just under 70,000 customers or around the 60 mark. Um, they've now topped out over 100,000 at the start of this month, so they're growing quite considerably, which is great news. Very good. How about you, Alex? Uh, what are you guys doing with the, uh, the, the winnings? Yeah, thanks. So we probably should start by saying Kodap, we're universal API for accounting software, which is uh, kind of a, a slightly different perhaps to other people around the table in that we're much more of an infrastructure um, layer than, than other people. Um, and um, that's what they've, they've given us the, the funds to go off and do. So there's kind of three... Uh, key pieces to it. Um, one is to get non-tier one lenders up and running with building integrations with accounting software for small businesses. Um, 
Number two is to kind of bring new use cases to the market for integrations with accounting software. So um, that's really in the in the startup end, the guys who are doing the kind of really out there stuff. Um, and then three, it's to link 100,000 small businesses through our platform. Mm. Very cool. And uh, in terms of the the um, space that you guys are in right now, who was the I guess the in the competitive landscape that sort of worked with you guys? Um, sorry, you mean the competitive landscape on our side or in terms of on your side? Yeah. On our side. So I mean, we're we're kind of still out there. Um, at the forefront of this, uh, the main thing we come up against is actually people building integrations themselves directly um, with each one of the, of the packages. Um, the so that's Sage, uh, QuickBooks, Zero, these kinds of players. Um, and uh, what we see is that really it's the maturing of the ecosystem. So people saying, "Hold on, I've got to build a whole load of different integrations." I don't want to do this myself. I want to outsource it to a third party who makes it a standard process for everyone. It's actually, if you look at the winners from your pool, you could actually form a nice little group yourselves. So you're, you're all playing in, in, in similar but slightly different spaces. So some of the other winners in, in Pool D were Fluidly, which does sort of cash flow management, front end stuff, um, funding options, which is sort of a, a lending marketplace, really, I suppose, um, and, and Swoop and Form 3, who are back end again. So it's, it's you, could actually, you could actually work together, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, so... Um, Interestingly, I probably shouldn't say exactly who, but um, several of those use oh. code out on the back end. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, what about you, Simon? What's, uh, what's the, uh, uh, I guess, the impact to Atom? Yeah, so Atom uh, ecstatic to have won £10 million um, announced last Tuesday. So um, it's about bringing lending and payments, Paul C. So um, from a public commitments perspective, we're going to add another 15 of our own money. So I get £25 million to deliver something cool. Very good. Um, yeah. Um, we followed uh, jobs to be done process to, to, to do some genuinely SME-centric research. Um, and it all says that it's a lonely place as, an, as a small business owner. Um, it's a very personal journey. You spend a lot of time not knowing if you're doing the right things at the right time to develop your business. Um, and you want to concentrate on doing your business rather than administering it. And, you know, those themes kept coming out. Very little was talked about product. And so, you know, SMEs want help, not product push. And so what, what we're going to build should address some of that. Um, and so uh, the public commitments we made, um, AI-driven digital tools, um, allowing customers to um, monitor their finances, cash flow, anticipate shortfalls and surpluses, um, we'll be offering them smart lending products, um, which are tailored exactly to the situation today and in the future as revealed by the cash flow um, forecast. Um, so that goes anywhere from sort of overdraft working capital facility all the way through to secured lending uh, for larger development purchases. Um, we want to tap into the sort of almost half of UK SMEs who are these permanent non-borrowers. Um, who have 117 billion, I think, of deposits languishing, not making any interest. So we want to put some smart savings um, into the product as well, into, into the experience, um, and then um, provide meaningful and actionable insights and scenario planning and that kind of thing. So sort of an all-round package. Um, and then we've also committed to, I'm reading now, partnering with 10 innovative, at least, uh, UK fintech SMEs, um, creating 70 jobs in the northeast, um, where we're based in Durham, um, and a whole load of transparent reporting and governance, which I think everyone's also committed to around the table. So, <laughs> some, Sorry, I was just going to ask, has anybody Thanks. else co committed to, to matching or going, you know, adding their own funds to this as well? Anybody else around the table? Yes. 
Nation, so that's the, the guests from Nationwide. Yep, we have we committed to add funds ourselves. Yeah, 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 and yes, we code out. Okay, so everybody has. So I, would, I think all, all women. Said, all was, women a was it a requirement? Was it a requirement? I think oh. it was a requirement. I think it was. I'm not sure it was a requirement. I think it was set the scene in the Paul Abids. Yeah, that that said, to, if you wanted to be in the game, you needed to to match. I think it sort of met the. Yeah, because some, some, some have matched and some have gone over and above. Yeah. So if you, if you are one of the very small fintechs, then matching five million is, is quite hard going. You know, to go over and above that is probably going to be even harder. But um. Um, how about you, Rob? What have uh, how have how will Nationwide be be spending the money? So Nationwide will be spending money to to help us boost our turbocharge our entry into the SME banking market. It's not a market we're currently in, um, so we're new to the market, which is what uh, Paul B was was aimed to do. And we'll we'll take our mutual and uh, member sort of uh, focused approach into the SME banking market and look to disrupt the major banks with a combination of great um, you know digital uh, banking offering both from business current accounts moving out to savings and unsecured lending and credit cards uh, but with a great digital journey coupled with uh, the support from the branch network and all of the good human touch and service that uh, you can expect from nationwide very good and, and it seems like I mean throughout all of the pools there's actually a pretty decent mix isn't there? it feels like there's a you know players infrastructural players there's uh, direct to consumer there's technology sort of players in the space as well so it feels like there's actually a pretty decent mix there yeah I mean I, I think from from it's interesting from my perspective obviously I sit inside a fintech bubble so you know not many of the names were were a surprise to me or, or not a surprise to me sorry what unheard of to me. So I, I knew the names that were coming forward. I think um, to anybody who uh, is watching this from the outside in, so maybe sort of lay people, if you like, who, who are trying to get their heads around it, it's um, it's going to be an interesting way to try and introduce some of these companies that have won some money to, to, to the public. You know, they'll have heard of Nationwide, but trying to explain Clearblank might be a slightly different conversation. Um, but I, I don't know. What I well, hopefully they've heard of Tide, right? Well, hopefully, so. yeah, well exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's your secret source there. Um, but I, I, I don't know that there were, well... Do you think there were any surprises? Those of you who knew who you were going up against, did you think, oh, right, these are our biggest competition, and then somebody else came out of left field and you were like, oh, I wasn't expecting that? I think surprising to us, um, we, we were convinced that there were somewhere between 15 and 20 entrants, and it wasn't until the day of the announcement we heard there were 76. So, 76? Yeah, yeah, we, we kind of ran out of who it could be at about 30, and then, yeah, so that was a nice surprise for us, that that made it feel even sweeter. Well, it's even better when you win at that stage, isn't uh-huh. it? But, uh, I, I thought, um, I think the timing, um, I think particularly with Pool A, I think the timing obviously with Metro Bank's kind of issues that mm. they had, I think that was probably the most uh, controversial, so we say, or kind of over the, the different sort of pools that went through. Yeah, I, I understand what people say that, but actually the whole process, I mean, all of us around the table will get this right, it was very, very robust and it was very much focused on what are you going to deliver? What are you going to bring to, to SME banking? So I think some of those problems that, that maybe you're alluding to, um, that they're out there, but are they actually relevant to the conversation in terms of BCR funding? Probably not. Um, I don't know what they actually pitched, to be honest with you, but if it's the same process that we went through, it would have been very robust and they probably would have had the strongest the strongest offering that, that warranted that actual award, to be honest with you. Should we stick to the the, the pitch then? Because that sounds super interesting. Like I, I envisage some sort of dragon's den. Did they have the money next to them when you were presenting? Or <laughs> how, so, how much older is everybody now than they were <laughs> before they started this? What, what was the process? How did you guys, I mean, how did you submit? What was the sort of process throughout it? You look at me straight. I mean, any, anybody well. at this stage. So I, I, I avoided it to be honest. With you. So I got involved, obviously, very heavily in obviously what we were going to deliver technically, our integration work that we already had done with Tired, and how we were going to actually iterate through that and make that better. 
but it was um, it was really. I remember going through a lot of stuff about actually technically what are we going to commit to? What does that look like? What sort of funding do we want from that? What's the end user experience? You know, and then they working out these milestones. Where, where would we try and drop those? Um, I mean, the eight percent of the market thing was a, a milestone we're going to try and reach by the end of twenty twenty three. But you try and work backwards a little bit from that in terms of what what you want to deliver. So it was it was quite tough. We had a pitch team that did actually roll up. Um, and we, you know, typical ClearBank style, right? So we didn't go out and, and, and spend a lot of money with uh, external con- contractors or consultancies to try and help us. We wanted to go, actually, we know our business inside and out. This is how we set the bank up in the first place. The same people who set it up are the same people that built it, are the same people that actually iterated through and, and got involved in this pitch. So we, we kind of went on that journey with hand in hand with Tide. Um, and we worked together collaboratively. It was, it, was, it was almost like an agile approach, right? So we actually spent a lot of time. But once you get into the BCR funding and then you get a little bit more, you guys will you'll look at me, hopefully agreeing with We have project managers involved and then trying to work out your timelines, your commitments, what are they actually going to be presented back. And it is a little bit like Dragon's Den when you get to that point. You watch your business plan almost, how are you going to do this? How, how much of a, of, a, of a resource commitment is it? So I'm, I'm looking around the room and thinking... It's, it's quite a significant resource commitment. I think Pool A and Pool B was quite similar in terms of what you required to do. And, you know, I was uh, heavily involved and in, in led the team that led our bid program and pitch to the BCR, which was interested in process and quite a timely piece. But it was there's quite a lot of documentation to fill in. It's quite a significant... Um, and in a set format that you have to do it in a, in a set sort of format. It's very much... Uh, from a nationwide perspective, used to being monitoring a mark in an RFP, not having to complete one. It was very much like an RFP process and then presenting at the end of it and being really clear to Andrew's point what you're willing to commit and to do um, for those money. So we put quite a lot of resource into it, quite a lot of rigour, uh, strong review from our executive committee and our board uh, and were clear about what we were willing to submit and commit to and then had that Quite a rigorous challenge from the BCR, both post the submission in terms of questions ahead on our bid on a, a couple of rounds, and then in the pitch that we gave to Lord Cromwell and the rest of the, the team, um, which was a quite a time-bound commitment to getting the main points to answer the questions they came up with. But I know the process for pool C and D was slightly different, uh, pool A and B, which were, which were similar. Well, do you want to tell us about that? I mean, I'm looking at Alex in particular, you, you're one of the smaller companies mm. that are involved here. So so the resource commitment for you is it's almost a different uh, cost-benefit analysis, I suppose, to maybe nationwide saying, I mean, everybody could have put significant resource to this, but nationwide, I think we could all agree, has more resources perhaps available than the company of your size. So how yes. do you get to that journey where you think, right, it's worth us doing this? Yeah, so for us, it was um, it was probably uh, quite unusual that um, we, we found the whole thing really, uh, might sound a bit arrogant, rather easy. Oh. Um, we uh, read the um, you know goal of, of the Pool D, which is facilitate the commercialization of uh, financial technology relating to SMEs, and we're like, all right, that's us. Um, so we really just wrote down our business plan, gave them our product roadmap, and just said, right, we're going to escalate this and do it a bit quicker. Nice. So it really was quite straightforward for us. I, I mean, the difference there, like you say, it's a uh, startup used to pitching for potentially for f- uh, explaining the ideas and the VC money, you know, that's a, a, a different uh, skill set, isn't it? You know, have you uh, maybe considered changing your procurement methods based on the, your experience through this uh, as nationwide? We, we did get some of our internal procurement people to come in and and review our bid, yeah. you know, and, and give them a, a view. And, and we did we did get some external help to, to help us as well, make sure we were sharper on, on the money. The key was, I think, we were really clean about the difference that we can make to the market with the brand and the mutuality and the combination of digital and human touch and how the money can 
turbocharged entry for us because whilst we have got more resources, we do look at it upon our members' money yeah. and we, we use that scarcely and we use manage that carefully. So it just gives us that ability to go that bit harder. But it was a really interesting process and it was quite fun to be involved with. And even up to the last minute when we were waiting, you know, in the morning for the email to come through or the, the bid on the systems to, to see what we'd had through and whether we'd won or not, we were, you know, weren't quite sure how it was going to play out. Yeah, well, you never know until you know. How'd you get on, Simon? What was the uh, process like for you guys? Well, uh, maybe we fall somewhere in the middle. We're 350-odd people, and everyone absolutely has a job, um, and it's a full-time job already. So um, there's an opportunity cost to any of these things that you want to do. Um, so, you know, for us, it was... Um, yeah, it, it was it was hard to make the decision to actually go for it, but we really wanted to get the opportunity to... After the forty-seven billion already wasted, actually do something good for the country with, <laughs> for the SMEs lot. So um, yeah, that that felt good. Um, so yeah, small, cross-functional, tightly focused team, four or five people since April, um, with a bit of help. Well, it, I mean, it just feels like the if it, it feels like a strange ending to it. You know, usually at the end of the the voice, there's like somebody goes off and you never actually see them hit the charts. But like on the basis of this amount of money that's actually being invested back into really sort of changing the SME industry, I I really feel like we're going to see such an amazing period of being an SME. You know, you're going to have better services, better capability than ever before with, I mean, just with the guys in the room here, but actually much broader in terms of the people who've won. So, I, I mean, what do you guys think this means for the SME industry? How do you think it will change over the next few years? Just by definition, all of this stuff, I'm guessing it's the same rules for all the pools, but this had to be additive to what was already in our mm-hmm. business plan. Yeah. yeah, So exactly. just by definition, the addition of this money into the market is going to launch a whole load of stuff that just wouldn't have happened before. Mm. And you look at the winning, we, we get no visibility of the losing bids, but if you look across the pools, there's some genuinely innovative stuff in there and the intent that you can see running richly through each of those sort of public commitment statements is, you know, that that's that's more of what we want. That's good. Simon's made a great point there, right? Because I think all of us probably had a lot of these things on the roadmap. We had everything there with Tired already kind of lined up and it was all about how do we actually make this quicker? How do we bring it to market? How do we actually raise awareness of what we're doing? Um, you know, it's, it is a little bit of a territory. So everybody's got the same sort of thing. So I think all those people who didn't actually win, well, I think we'll still see a lot of innovation coming to the marketplace from those guys as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I would think that um, whether you know, whether you put together the, 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 the bid and you didn't win, but you still got that, you put the time and effort into that now, so you might as well go ahead with it off your own back if you've got the funds. Or if you're somebody who didn't put in a bid and does currently have an SME offering who's sitting there looking around you going, oh my God, we're going to have to keep pace with these guys. It's got to be a win-win from all parts of the competition aspect. I guess the question will be how, how quickly people start delivering. Well, and, and I think it's slightly more, new, certainly for Atom, it's slightly more nuanced, which is um, because of this money, we can do it differently, not mm-hmm. just faster. So, you know, you, there's a reason why people launch products like they do because they have to make money to be able to launch the products. So to, with this, we're able to actually build something of genuine utility to SMEs, which um, around which we can build products and we can make money quite transparently and happily. Hmm. And the customer is quite happy with that because they're getting genuine utility from a tool that we're delivering into the market. So. What would be exciting is once, you, once everybody started to deliver on all of these kind of commitments is to then see how do they hook up 
together. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned funding options, for example, those as winners. I, you know, is there a play where they start hooking up to other propositions there to enrich those propositions after they've delivered their BCR commitments? Um, and you can kind of start seeing that. You can kind of see a, a map kind of forming of, well, actually, if you start getting to the medium-sized enterprises, what their, their, their use case with, with business banking is very different to a micro micro business, right? So what does that actually look like? And can actually some of these winners team up together in true fintech style, add some plumbing, and all of a sudden you've now got a real medium-sized uh, enterprise-side mm. proposition that maybe the, the fund initially wasn't targeting, but... I think actually you'll have an outcome that, that looks like that. I think there's two different aspects you can look at it. It's one, there's much greater choice for SMEs um, in terms of their banking, which we all knew was needed, you know, from the people that will win from pool A and pool B as, as real choice for their banking services, plus the response that the incumbents will have to do and will and will do, will make it a much more competitive market. It will drive down price, no doubt, it will improve service and choice. Secondly, both the pool C's and pool D's, but also the, 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 um, um, the test on the pool A and pool B was to say how you know, the banking, people coming to the banking market and offering their services, we're going to use UK fintechs in their proposition. Mm. And therefore there has been, you know, and we've made a number of commitments that we're going to work with UK SMEs to provide, you know, platform-based services in a, in a you know, utilising all the technology we have, which, we, which will also enrich UK fintech SMEs and make it a very hot market. And we found, you know, even before we put our bid in, the number of UK fintechs coming to us saying we could be part of your proposition this way or the other mm. um, was significant and even some examples of some suddenly making the UK their base so that they could be eligible for some of the funding and the partnerships. That's interesting. So they, <laughs> they've come here so all of a sudden they're, they're in yeah, the mix. Yeah, yeah. But open banking <laughs> helps with that, right? Absolutely. So, so our tie partnership has got a lot of stuff with open banking and actually stuff with you guys as yep. well. A lot of stuff with open banking, um, current account switching services, how do you how do you make life easier? Mm. Yeah. It, it's interesting because as you say, it's like for, for the companies in the room and for all of the winners, it's going to mean a great deal of, of potential. But for the customers that you're serving, and like you say, for the fintech players that actually you might be using in the in the stack somewhere along the lines, like the the, the ramifications of, of well, positive ramifications all the way through the, the line on this one is is huge, really, isn't right. it? It's a significant injection, really, of, 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 of fiscal money into the UK SME market, mm. which, you know, and I think with the, the people in this room and the other winners can make a real difference in terms of, you know, the, the facilities SMEs have to thrive, um, you know, and, and, and drive the UK economy. Do we, do we think it will have um, a positive impact overall on the SME industry as well when you look at kind of the fact that SMEs have been struggling particularly with business confidence of late, um, but they have, you know, the figures that most recently have sort of stopped borrowing because of whatever else is going on around them. Um, I'm not going to mention the B word because it seems to come on every podcast <laughs> these days, but hopefully like outside of just supporting them with financial services, it should be supporting the industry. If we say that they're making up ninety-eight percent of um, you know small businesses in the UK, because if you're talking about adding those value-added services as well, presumably you're, you're helping them grow with with things other than just giving them a loan. Yeah, and I think so. We often look at the growth rate, but the survival rate's important as well. So if I look across quite a few of the stuff in the in the winning pools, there are explicit things in there which will stop people going out of business if 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 that utility is built. I mean, it's the other bit of you know, kill the attrition and the growth goes even further. So, yeah. It's positive, yeah, more broadly than just the financing element, I guess, is what I'm trying yeah, to Yeah, and cash flow management becomes quite key, I think. Yeah. I think a lot of people, some of, the, some of the stuff I've seen that's coming out, not necessarily from, from us, but people who are talking to Clearbank, if that makes sense, because <laughs> we, we kind of sit a little bit uniquely. Mm. Um, 
there's a lot of innovation around how to actually help you understand your cash flow. And then off the back of that, does that mean I can help you find a loan before you actually need a loan? Mm. Um, and, and that's going to be quite interesting. I think that's going to help a lot of SMEs understand exactly where their commitments are, their peaks and troughs, uh, and what their own business looks like, if that makes sense. So we see a lot of that with personal apps right now. I think we're going to see a lot more with, with businesses. Yeah. I think, like you say, Simon, being able to do things now because they're not just you know, uh, sitting in a profitable P&L. It was uh, Mike Cherry came out and said, uh, who, Mike, who's the Federation for Small Businesses chairman, uh, it's a relief to now finally see this funding being handed out after a lengthy application process. For far too long, small businesses in the banking market have been dogged by lack of competition and poor customer service. It feels like that's being massively addressed. You know, the, the service and the competition side of things, you know, it feels like, I, I remember when we started uh, 11FS trying to figure out which bank account I was going to get and it was like a blue or a red one uh, and how many years do I want to wait for that application process to go through and being in a situation where we can get something that just feels like it should be a hygiene factor but actually just getting an account is the first step being able to really manage and steer your business effectively with services that you're you're going to deliver is fundamentally different to me what do you guys think so yeah, I think this is, is a really good point. But um, that's a, the the difficulty with a lot of this is that it's not that the the big banks haven't wanted to to provide decent services to SMEs for a long time. Actually, they, they've always wanted to. It's simply been a, a, a question of, of getting their operations in a position where they offer SMEs decent services. Um, so I mean, the, the the Bank of England actually, you know, you think they have a kind of economic. Uh, solution to most of these kinds of questions, but actually they've gone away. And Mark Carney, in his Mansion House speech, came out with a really good point on this. And he said that this is an operational question. It's about reducing the amount of effort on both the bank side and often unseen on the small businesses side in terms of actually dealing with a bank, putting up with going through the application process, both in terms of opening an account and actually going and getting a loan, is, is huge. And um, Really, we think that that's a kind of uh, you know uh, infrastructure problem in terms of getting the right bits and pieces in place to actually make uh, it cost efficient for a bank to, to make a loan to a small business, um, and I think that this this fund really drives that. Mm. Yeah, I think I think I think the and I think uh, you know it's a really good point, Alex, and I think Andrew's point around the capabilities of open banking are really strong. What we've got to do now, though, is drive up usage. Because um, we can build some fantastic tools and, and services for UK SMEs to use, but they need to be able to use them and you need to provide that education and confidence that they use them for the benefit of their business. And as we build it, we've got to make sure that, that you know, we're building something that we can iterate and, and test with them to make sure it's something they're ultimately going to use and make a difference. And that's what's really, really important for us to think to, to do. Hmm. So. Gone, no, I was just saying that you know, Mike Cherry's right. There's, I think there's quite a lot wrong with with the situation. And so, looking at incumbents and around lending, you know, which is what our pool was around, um, our research showed just enormous numbers of people putting um, what should be lower cost debt onto credit cards, for instance. So, taking out a loan is seen as failure <clears throat> rather than fuel for growth, mm. or some incredibly creative terms with friends and family for for for. And, and people feeling like um, they weren't necessarily adult in their relationship with their business because the money had come from parents and things like that. And, and all of these things, they're products that exist, but the, the incumbent environment just isn't educating or offering or whatever it is. There's something broken. Yeah. And, and again, lots of the things in the BCR uh, winners will, will go squarely into addressing that stuff, I think. There's a, there's a lot of 
kind of um, financial literacy stuff which is implied in it, if not necessarily explicit? Well, it's, it's the kind of the, the, the point that I suppose Andy made earlier about what we see a lot of in the, the retail space is a lot of this personal financial management and helping you be better at managing your money. So, you know, talking about being able to access a loan as and when you need one is great and making it easier and faster to do that. But also maybe in some cases you shouldn't be needing the loan in the first place. Uh-huh. You know, maybe helping you or helping you, you know, manage things like your savings. I think it was you meant, mentioned, Simon, a lot of small businesses have deposits just in non-interest bearing accounts because they don't really know what else to do with it. You know, helping small businesses access those tools to help them make the most of whatever capital they have. Um, so that's the kind of the other bit of it I think we haven't heard so much about yet, but I'm looking forward to hearing more about. This deal sets apart to a brighter future. We will leave the EU. Uh, clearly the pressure is beginning. British jobs. The more you hear about Brexit, Brexit, the less clear it all becomes. When everyone else is shouting, listen. For the clarity behind the headlines, subscribe to the Financial Times. Visit ft.com. Today, customers are demanding greater value from financial services. They expect more agility, innovation and security than ever before. Most financial institutions are held back by the shackles of closed legacy systems that limit transparency, block innovation and ignore customers' demands. Finastra has a bold vision to unlock the potential of people and business. They've created a platform for open innovation in the world of financial services with FusionFabric.cloud. Their solutions span retail, transaction lending, and treasury and capital markets on-premise and in the cloud. Start your transformation journey today with Finastra. Cybos, the world's premier financial services event, is landing in London's XL on the 23rd to the 26th of September. More than 8,000 decision makers and experts from across the globe will gather to shape the future of finance and the opportunities for fintechs will be bigger than ever. Specially priced fintech tickets are available. Don't miss out. Book today at cybos.com. So what happens next then? I mean, you got the email through, success. I imagine a bottle of champagne opened <laughs> immediately, texting around all your friends and family. Um, what happened then? So it w- does the sort of reality sort of settle in of like, holy crap, we've actually got to do all this stuff now. Because like the commitments <laughs> yeah. just around this table are pretty significant and the impact that that will have, you know, materially potentially for GDP of the country in terms of making more businesses successful and actually staying in existence. So, I mean, what, what happened next? Well, Who's going first? <laughs> Everyone's looking at me, right? <laughs> so, so, yeah, we did have a couple of drinks, I will be honest with you. Um, I may have had a headache the next day, <laughs> I'll be honest. So, but from our, there was no holy crap moment at all. It was literally, well, we've, we've planned this all through. We knew what was in our roadmap. We knew what we wanted to deliver. Um, it was literally, right, just, just, just get on with it from our point of view. Yeah. Um, I think it was a lot of fun because we've obviously been collaborating a lot with Tide. Um, and then trying to work together to, to get through and line up, make sure everything was going as we thought. So we've just had a lot of fun with it, really. Very That's cool. probably not the answer that I should have given. But, <laughs> but it was, as I said, it was all planned and it was just exciting times. For us, it's all about the journey from where we've been to where we're going. It, it was, yeah, this is, this is great. It's an injection that we need. Let's, let's get on with it. Go, 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 go. 
as opposed to sitting around waiting or, or, or you know I sometimes describe some of the work that we do as, as swimming so I want to swim to the states pretty quickly I don't want to be stuck in glue and this sort of stuff is it just accelerates that it's a great endorsement you know I think all the people here have been a great endorsement of their strategies and their plans and it just gives you that confidence to to drive on through and for us it was right crack on as per the plans to deliver this um and you know provide fantastic outcomes to to, to our customers and you're then in the process of contracting testing receiving the money which obviously is a nice We've thing to done. receive which yeah. yeah yeah which is which is which is great and so you literally received was it a, one of those big comedy lottery <laughs> checks or was it, uh, a, it was, just yeah, a bank transfer uh, one pound first followed oh. followed for us by 50 million so <laughs> oh, wow. you, you, get, you get a pound a pound for a pound for free i mean it's, it's good to know that they were risk averse so they tested on the, with yeah, that quid just to make sure it was <laughs> a very very strong testing process first and now we're you know we're into absolutely delivering the stuff but at the same time the reporting commitments that we made to the bcr including the transfer transparency of that and the you know the external and internal uh, checks that we've committed mm. to as, as well so very much you know great we did celebrate but now very much onto delivery get it get it get it done that's a good point because the governance overlay on this was was quite interesting so we've got a, a program manager who's just literally looking at how do i manage what what, what our transparency is back to the bcr I was, was going to say, did this, was the first thing you had to do hire somebody to work out what no, to do so next? We, so we've got a lot of, you've got to, you know, it, it's just somebody's unfortunately landed that on their desk as well. Oh dear. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just one of those things and it's well worth it, right? Hmm. Transparency is the, the difference between 10 million and tens of million. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I suspect I'll be doing that. I think, no, I mean, so I really liked in your bid, Rob, the... Um, the words uh, adhering to both the spirit and the letter of the uh, of the terms, and I think that's a. As you look through it, everybody talks about transparency, and everyone's committed to transparently reporting. And we all take this stuff really seriously because we're we're here to deliver this stuff, and we're here to make a difference. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's fun. And what happened? The because uh, you guys found out last Wednesday, last Thursday, is that right? Yep, uh, uh, Wednesday it what? was announced. Yeah, Where, did you just clock off for the day and hit the bar, or was it like success it's, and? Um, <laughs> the, the whole build-up, we weren't sure what time we were going to find out, and that it was the worst day of my life since my A-level result. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the rest of the team, there was a point where we went out to the car park to throw rocks around just to take our minds off it. So yeah, that was that was the Tuesday. But um, yeah, Alex, what were you going to say something? Yeah, so ours has probably been slightly different from other people. So yes, our whole plan was was set out, but what we hadn't quite considered was the number of people who had said in in their submissions that they were going to build integrations with accounting software. Um, so suddenly we were kind of swamped um, as each one of the pools came out with people saying, "Right, we've got to get this done now. Who should we go and speak to about that?" Nice multiplier effect. It's, it's like nice uh, for us, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> in each pool there is an opportunity as well as your own yeah. pool. That's uh, it's good to do. So I mean, do you think this will materially change? how the SME market is set up then. You know, we're talking about potentially reducing mortality rates for SMEs. We're talking about providing wholesale new services and new capability. Like on the sort of, I guess, early dawn of everybody's talking about is going into some form of recession next year, you know, middle of next year, depending on whose sort of odds you take, then is this going to help UK SMEs, do you think, weather those types of storms a lot better than they would have done without this fund being in place? I mean, I, I would, that's a really good question. And, and the macroeconomics obviously has a big impact, which you can never know. But I, I would, I, I'd like to say, yes, it will do. You know, I'm sitting here committed to delivering what we said we do in a meaningful way that will drive the competition and the better um, journeys for customers and the better um, options, facilities for them. So I think if we deliver what we said we do, and I'm pretty confident that we, we will, then we'll make that difference. Mm. Um, and the amount of 
competitionists will drive, the amount of choices will drive. The key is we have to find a way to make sure that the customers use the additional tools and facilities that we provide in a meaningful way. So making sure we build it with the customer in mind rather than, if you like, a back office or a product um, design purely in view, but understand what the customer wants, how they can use it, it's going to be key. Mm. But I do think it can make a, make a real difference to the market. Mm-hmm. I think this is all about giving the SMEs or the micro businesses as well um, better tools and a, and, a, and a better chance of success. Because a good business idea sometimes goes down the pan because of the tools or some of the decisions they've made around it. But a bad business idea is still a bad business idea. So I don't know how many, how much you'll actually see at a macro level. Is that, oh, you know, this, this money's gone out there and all of a sudden all these SMEs, you know, there's only 10% chance of failure. That, that's not going to happen, right? So let's, let's just stay a little bit in the real world. But I think things like open banking, all the propositions that everybody who's, who's won uh, make commitments, right? That that will give them the better tools and a better chance. And I think actually it's all about tools, tooling. How do I actually help those businesses? This isn't meant to be um, a, a, a salacious comment or a probing question, but what Ooh, happens this if, is you, be if you can't meet your commitments? If what happens, I, I genuinely want to know if there was anything in the which, if there was for some reason you cannot. <laughs> you pay some back, okay? If not, the whole lot back with interest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's really is, interesting. That was there is the, there yeah. is an opportunity. There's a quarterly reporting regime that we're under, and I think yeah, there we're under Bs, and we that includes a meeting with the BCR as well to explain where you are in your roadmap, and there could well be, you know, as ever, we're all building things probably in a very agile type way, and you know, and, and things will undoubtedly change because of that, and they should change because of that as you go. But ultimately, as Andrew says, you know, if you can't make your commitments, then you know the the money's due to, due to go back with with substantial interest. Wow, that, that was that that's interesting because I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's going to be fascinating to see if that does happen in any case because, like, as you say, it's it's almost if you go across all of the commitments across all of the different pools, um, you know the the whole market's going to have to grow reasonably substantially to kind of match those things. So it's going to be fascinating to see how strict they actually are with that. Yeah, I think the current account switching service pieces and, and as you said about open banking, a lot of that is there to actually, I don't think the SME market is going to get much bigger. It's, it's, it is what it is, right? But it, a lot of it is also about de-risking concentration risk amongst the big four. Actually, can any of us actually take more market share from those guys? Mm-hmm. And with the propositions that, uh, that are being put forward, I think the answer to that is yes. Yeah. I think yes. Well, and I, and I guess with an eye on the whole purpose of, of this in the first place, you know, if you're sitting in... Santander or RBS or Lloyd's right now? Like, should those guys be worried? I would say they should be worried. And, and I think you've seen that because I think they are all responding mm. um, in varying in different ways, whether that's they're creating their own internal digital, um, you know, offerings or, or they're ramping up their, their response. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm... Look, I'm very convinced that we'll make a substantial impact on the market uh, as we have done in personal current accounts. What do you think, Simon? Um, yeah, I mean, it, as I said before, is I I struggle to see how this isn't going to improve things. Mm. Well, for, and, for small businesses, it's, yeah. well, and like you say, from a customer's perspective, you know, not only all of the introduction of all of these services, but we've got the the sort of imminent business banking switching account uh, process that's been sort of stepped up as well, right? So it kind of feels like all of these things are kind of pointing towards a. Ease of switching, better services, better capability. So you've always had that, right? CAS has worked for businesses up to three million pounds. 
Yeah, so you've got the um, the second part of the BCR fund, which is the incentivized switching fund, um, and that uh, the, the first um, round of banks that were eligible for that was announced earlier this year, and that was nine um, existing banks that were basically given money to encourage customers, uh, SME customers, to switch their offerings. But it was very specific uh, types of SME as well. I think there was a lot of caveats around which SMEs could be eligible for it. And my understanding is that there's still some money left in that pool, so that once you guys all get going, more banks can be can be eligible for that pool as well once you've got your funds up and running yeah i mean i mean nationwide we submitted an application and were accepted in the initial route but on the basis that what we were bringing to market was dependent on us success on the pool we bid we resubmitted in june and got re-entered right but we'll only go in obviously our business current account is not ready for market yet and we're working with a number of partners to do that when we're ready we'll come in and, and join the scheme depending on how much of the dowries, which is the money which is given to the... And it's dependent on the size of the business. The bigger the business, the bigger um, incentive to switch away from um, RBS is provided. And, and then we'll join uh, the scheme with whatever switching offer that we decide at the time once our business current account is, is, is fit and ready for the, for the market. But, I mean, today it has made... I think you have seen it's made a difference. Not quite the difference that you hope. And there's still quite a lot of work to do, I think, as Andy referred to, to try and get the confidence for customers because CAS has been out there for a long time that, that actually CAS works and businesses do use it and it takes some of the stress out of switching. Well, is this, yeah, is this, sorry, is this where the two funds sort of interact though? So like I know full well why I moved from Lloyd's to Monzo under CAS, right? So you, you need an alternative. Mm. And yeah. the, the Capability Innovation Fund, that, that's the thing that provides <clears throat> at least some alternatives for yeah. people to go and all the data asymmetries through the mm. kind of stuff that Alex is doing are, are completely eroded now so that this idea that I stay with my bank because they've known me for years and that must give me an advantage is yeah. I think I think that's the nuance as well, because even if you look at the retail side of it, you say to people, oh, did you know you can switch your bank in seven days and they'll do it all for you? And they go, yeah, but why would I do that? So there's, I think there must be mm. still a, a, an amount of that on the SME side, yes. perhaps even more so. Like, yeah, but as David said earlier, but it's just a red one rather than a blue one and or a metal card rather than a plastic card, but that's not enough <laughs> to make me do it. I don't know. One of those metal cards, I think I'd probably move for that. But um, <laughs> I, th- I think that's that's the point around, I keep saying this to people about competition or choice. You know, I think people have had choice for a long time, which is like red one, blue one, um, but actually creating competition in a market where services are actually the thing that are differentiating which organisation you actually choose from. That feels like it's a, you know, that's when organisations are working to help SMEs rather than and, you know, working to maybe extract weird funds from them. So, so I think SMEs get the point around service. I think the reason why we don't see so much uh, switching is probably around product because I stay with a particular bank because they have a plethora of products they can potentially offer me. And as an SME, does that mean I, I get a better overdraft? You know, do I get access to, to lending all under one roof? So it's quite hard sometimes to shift. You say, actually, I can take that business banking current account over there and the service is 10 times better mm. and I love it and it integrates with X, Y, and Z, but they don't give me an overdraft. Mm. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden that makes it, uh, it's very hard to actually shift. So I think some of this, the funding that's coming out of BCR and the reason why I'm quite passionate about what happens afterwards in terms of integrating things like you know funding options into mm-hmm. any sort of thing or, or, or any other provider. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that look like? Because actually you end up with a lot of products that become a lot richer. Mm. So we've got services, we've got innovation, and then you've got a riches and real depth that, that will then make me change. You've got, you've, got a full, you've got a full product suite ahead of you, but even if they're not all from the same provider, which is, again, yeah. what some of, the, some of the retail 
banking providers are trying to do as well. And the timing of the fund with the technology capabilities to, you know, enable that integration in a seamless way via open banking and the technology that's available now through microservices and the cloud native services that are there means that you can do that in a much more seamless and easy way now. That means, you know, there you, you can look across to a different provider and they can provide all the services you need. They may not all provide it themselves, but they can do it in a seamless customer journey way. That means it doesn't matter that the lending option may not necessarily be from that bank that you opened a business current well, account with. I'm going to be rude and just jump in there. Sorry. So that's one of the reasons why when we were looking at our banking as a service proposition at Clearbank was actually, I, I mean, I draw it as like a compass, really. We have our north, south, east, west and, and integrated services. And in the north is integrated services. What does that look like? Can we take services from marketplaces, which we can? Can we take services from other loan providers, pull those into banking as a service and expose those to any institution that uses ClearBank? So Nationwide for Business is using ClearBank. We've got Tide using ClearBank. All of those can then start hooking up to whatever integrates throughout through our platform. Um, and I think that's when we start looking at really exciting options to say, actually, you know, company A meet company B, it comes through banking as a service. You've got one API, one integration pop, done. Mm. Yeah. Get it to the market quickly. So in a blatant plug for what we're going to build, um, we're turning that around a little bit, which is uh, why does it have to be a switch to a current account? So um, we will offer um, overdrafts and lending and deposits and things without you having to switch it because, again, the ingestion of open banking data, cloud platform, um, accounting platform data, it it changes everything. So now you don't have to think about your current account being the backbone of everything because all it does is give you a metal or otherwise card. And, uh, and payments capability. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think you'll see different ways of, of just looking at banking. Mm. Yeah, I think the bundling of those services is going to be really, really interesting. As you say, the the dynamic of, you know, one relationship with one bank and actually all of that being done there is going to be very, very different. I think the, challenge, the challenge to see there is that the current account is still the backbone of where I make a lender decision. So as a lender... I'm using open banking, right, to pull in your current account data to actually make a, a decision on whether you're good for the money or not. But, so. Yeah, but yeah, the, there has to be one, but it doesn't be, have to be where the lending and yeah, the, yeah, you're right. You could uh, end up being multi, right? multi-current accounts, which yeah. is which is another option. You know, we or, start looking at wallets, or even way. from um, accounting data. You know, the zero marketplace in terms of actually the the lenders that are through that use almost exclusively zero data rather than the the bank data, right? Yeah, and and actually we'd, we'd go one step further. We'd say that um, that's the main point of of control as a small business owner that you manage your finances. Actually, you know. I do not log into Barclays on a daily basis. I log into zero multiple times a day because that's where all the information is held. And so actually, we believe that long-term people are more likely to be receiving their financial services through the systems that they're using to run their businesses internally. Accounting systems are kind of the de facto business operating system and banking services will be vertical things that are tapped into at each stage rather than being a kind of broad point at which you access kind of bunch of of cross-sold products. and you know, very much in the same way as on the consumer side, that the marketplace is, is arriving. The marketplace is arriving for small businesses, but that marketplace is, is we believe, probably going to be in the accounting software. Mm. I think. I think interesting is for us to step outside of our financial services bubble and actually go into these people's houses, though. So 
you know, on a Sunday afternoon, is it zero? Is it Barclays? Or is it actually a load of post-it notes on the fridge reminding you to do something? A series of envelopes, that Excel spreadsheet you've been using for years. And I think if we can start tapping into some of that as, a, as an industry, then we're probably going to get much closer to how we actually help these people. Yeah, so I, spot on. I did, um, I did a little, I did wrote a report on SME finance about a year ago and um, we, I went out and found some data for, for the number of people who are still using predominantly spreadsheets. So not just spreadsheets as well as, but predominantly spreadsheets. And you do know what industry you're in, right? Banking. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. do love a spreadsheet. But, but, my, but, my, yeah, but my point wasn't that, so it's SMEs I was speaking to, not the banks. Not normal um, humans. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the SMEs, you know, even up to sort of like 20, 30 million of, of revenue turnover, we're still predominantly using spreadsheets. But the, the thought that came back into my mind, it sort of ties into what Simon was just saying, it's all very well sitting here in our fintech bubble and knowing all about Monzo and marketplaces. But if you're a plumber and Newcastle, who has a smartphone but you know doesn't know what zero is or hasn't got to grips with those kind of those those software as a service offerings, which can be quite complicated to use if you're not if you're not used mm-hmm. to more okay with them or even come across them. How do we get to them as well? That's so, that's a question so I'd like. One to... one big change that is happening there and has been happening over the last couple of years is the driver towards making tax digital. So everyone is now required to have in some. Uh, format accounting uh, stuff that doesn't mean of course they don't have a bunch of, of post-it notes but also you know it's important to remember the, the guys who provide the, these accounting packages are tech companies and they are specialized at, at providing tech platforms to small businesses so they they frankly provide a really kind of superb service to to small businesses and that's why they're they're really seeing massive uptake at the moment and I think the challenge is as, a, as an end user, right? So we've, we've talked a lot about customer journeys, the customer experience, customer outcome, is not to be... So we've got all these great things. We're starting to pull things together and you can have different accounts and loans and, and everything else that's going on. I can see my plumber in Pimlico or wherever all of a sudden now being overwhelmed with mm. the options that they've got. So how do you actually give them back control to make informed decisions and be able to manage that? I'm really worried that I, I'm going to share my my data with David who then shares it with somebody else and somebody else so I've really lost even though I've said yeah I want that loan or something I'd never do where that where the hell is that going maybe not with Dane and if you and if you're that person who is a one, one person or two person band you then got to find the time to sift through all the different offerings and that could be going through QuickBooks Sage Zero, and actually knowing which one is right for me or going through like which bank account do I want actually finding the time to do that so that's where some of these additional services can come in as well like recommendation engines that are actually tailored genuinely tailored to you and your business and, and then we end up with bundled products right which then means <laughs> you see, so it, it's it's going to be a tricky one that I think as the richer the, the product offerings become and the better the services we've got to be aware of that now as me as as, as Dave the plumber <laughs> I can resist that as me as Dave the plumber all of a sudden you know I've got so many things going on which one how, how do I manage it how do I manage that and I think we, I've I think got to take the complexity away and we've got to give them trust yeah. and you know you know intuitive services that are easy to use well I, I think this isn't something that hasn't been seen in other industries this is about taking best practice for actually understanding the I mean the fundamental jobs that consumers are really trying to do and then meeting them with good service you know the if you think about the complexities that of all of the different things that sits in most people's mobile phones today actually they're abstracted by good customer experience and and that fundamentally is probably the thing that's been most missing from a from the SME market. Really, we we've been in a situation where, despite the fact that you know SMEs materially shift GDP in this country, that they've just been underserved for such a long period of time. So, I, I honestly think this is 
bizarrely the beginning of this story, the, you know, go back to why this all happened in the first place with, you know, RBS problems and Williams and Glynn and everything that happened. It's turned out to be a pretty damn good ending, you know, for, for the SMEs in this space, you know, 425 million pound coming into this area is pretty impressive. Yeah, but the end of the beginning. <laughs> very, yeah, very, it's a kickstart. It's, it, this is the start of something rather than the end indeed well i think we'll probably what we'll do is we'll finish it there and actually if we bring you guys back in in maybe a year's time let's get this band back together a year from now <laughs> let's get back everybody in the room and see where we're at because um i think it's going to be a pretty amazing space all right that wraps up today's discussion thank you all for joining us so much so where can people find out a little bit more about you and kodak alex um yeah so kodak.io the, the website um yeah and we're going to be at money 2020 in vegas in october so if you're there, come say hi. That's that- where the money's gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Afraid not. <laughs> you regret making that point <laughs> immediately. Um, Andy, where can people find uh, out more about you and Clearbank? Yes, it's Andrew at Clearbank uh, on Twitter. The clear.bank is the URL, which some people still get wrong. Um, and you find me on LinkedIn. Very good. Simon, where can p- people find out more about you and Atom? Yeah, Atom, all the usual digital and social media outlets, and me, mainly LinkedIn. Very good. Rob, how about you and Nationwide? So Nationwide you can find, as, as you know, in branches at nationwide.co.uk um, and for me on LinkedIn and, and we'll be coming with, you know, MVP proposition to us back into this year. Very exciting. Sarah? You can find me on Twitter at Sarah Kachansky. Wonderful. And as for me, you can find me on at David Breer over on Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss one of these episodes. Follow us on all of the good social media platforms and leave us a review over on iTunes. We do love reading those reviews. Sarah has also written a blog on this topic, which you can find on the Insights page over on 11fs.com. Check it out. We'd love to hear what you think. Thanks very much. Goodbye. Goodbye.